Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 2, Episode 12. Greetings and welcome back to the station. We just wrapped up a multi-part series on what leaders actually do, and now we're moving back into a set of standalone episodes, at least until our next series. So have you ever thought about the incredible challenge of keeping an organization sustainable? It's not easy. Organizations are susceptible to the same sort of dynamics that we all face. Annoying realities like distractions, scope creep, boredom, and uncertainty. So how do you keep it on the rails, if you'll pardon the expression? What leaders need is a way to help people to know how to manage day-to-day decisions so there's some semblance of order and consistency. And how can we bring structure to processes without causing the proverbial conniption? Well, there is a way for us as leaders to manage all the chaos and keep things on track. This time around, we're going to be talking about policies. In my experience, people have mixed feelings about policies. In general, they hate them. Well, they seem so impersonal. Policies can sometimes make people feel like no one trusts them to make a decision. Policies make us uncomfortable because we associate them with all the worst aspects of a bureaucracy. But when do we like policies? Well, when they protect us. When they give us an easy out in a difficult situation. You you know the sort. You know, we're faced with an abusive customer, and we get to respond, Sorry, but I have to follow policy. Our guidelines are very clear. Yes, policies can be a protective fallback, and they can keep people from making bad decisions that could have a negative impact on the organization or even on the person's career. Now, I'm going to talk about each of the following what I call profound truths. First of all, policies are annoying. Policies are guardrails. Policies are incomplete. Policies do not change culture. Policies are made to be broken. Policies provide legal protections, and actual practice supersedes policy. So, as is my usual practice, let's talk through each of these. And when I say let's talk through them, I mean I'll talk and you listen. (laughs) That's kind of one of my podcast policies. Yep, I'm still hilarious. So let's start with policies are annoying. People complain about policies when the policy seems disconnected from the real world. Now that's a common problem because the people making policies are often two or three steps removed from the people who do the actual work. Policies often serve some legal or regulatory purpose, and the implementation is often, well, it's sloppy. Policies can often feel like a grand pronouncement or an edict from on high. And the people who are the victims... Oh, sorry. And the people who are the recipients of the new policy are painfully aware that it came from a so-called ivory tower setting, one that's totally isolated from, really, the daily realities. Those are the annoying policies, and they're not all that much fun. But there is an important segue to our next piece. Policies are guardrails. 
Even the most annoying policies have an important purpose, to define the boundaries of our work. Now, These boundaries or guardrails take on a few different characteristics. Some guardrails are legal. No, we can't do such and such because there are laws against that. We can't pay a kickback to promote our business. We can't pay somebody a wage that doesn't match the job that they're doing. We can't falsify a time card. That kind of thing. But other guardrails are ethical. Things might not be illegal per se, but they might smack of unethical behavior. For example, maybe I'm in an employment at will state. Now, I may be able legally to lay off employees with no notice. Goodbye, you're done, thanks for your service. That might be legal, and it is in at will states. But it just smells of bad form. See, don't confuse legality with ethicality legal with ethical, they are not the same. See, some guardrails are intended to protect the employee or the organization. Well, from what? Well, all sorts of things. Many companies have policies prohibiting help desk employees from dating customers because the company has no control over the customer behavior in those situations. Companies put financial guidelines in place. They limit the discount rate to customers. They put uh, parameters around service contracts in an effort to protect the organization, to manage risk, and be sustainable. Sometimes, guidelines are put into place to support an organization's vision of the future and manage the activities that support a strategic goal. So keep in mind, though, that no policy can solve every possible permutation of a problem. And that leads us to the next chunk. Policies are incomplete. Back when I was doing full-time consulting work, I pushed the constant reminder that no system is foolproof because fools are so clever. Yes, I'm quoting me there. I found that to be the case. No matter what we were working on, there was no way that we could think of all of the possible ways that a system or a process could be misused. And people would find those loopholes and they would exploit them. You can't write a policy that is so bulletproof that it can't be misused, misunderstood, or misapplied. It would be uselessly long and complex, and at that point people would likely ignore it anyway. Now, if you will permit me a brief diversion, I'm sure you will. You're good like that. When I was in fourth grade, I first learned about limericks, and this is one of the first ones I learned. There was a young fellow from Wheeling whose character wasn't appealing. A sign on the door said, don't spit on the floor, so he jumped up and spat on the ceiling. Okay, now that's been wedged in my brain for a long time, taking up valuable memory space. But the point, of course, is clear. A rule forbidding one thing does not necessarily forbid another. A policy typically addresses a particular issue, and it doesn't do anything about, well, let's call them the clever policy hacks. Policies are, by nature, incomplete. Yes, sometimes organizations will try to make complete policies, I saw this happen once with a company that was trying for a certain quality certification, and part of the deal was that processes had to be clear, consistent, and repeatable. And oh, they were. The problem was that this, co this company really effectively tied its own hands by making procedures so specific that no variation was allowed. The problem for them was that innovation often comes out of variation. 
Change for the better often comes out of not following policies to the letter. The company quickly realized this and revised its policies and operating procedures to be more descriptive than prescriptive. Results got defined rather than the nuts and bolts of how to get there. That's why policies will always be incomplete. Sometimes leaders turn to policy to do the hard work of leadership. Sorry to burst your bubble, but that doesn't work. Policies do not and cannot change culture. Say, for instance, that there is a daily report that has to be filled out and signed at the end of every business day, affirming the quality of the product or service for a particular team. Now, let's say the team has gotten into the habit of signing the form at noon, far enough into the day that they can kind of see how things are going, but not at the end of the day as required. Signing it at noon speeds things up at the end of the day when everyone just wants out of there. Now, if this has become common practice, it might be tempting to write a new policy requiring that the document be completed at the end of the day. And that's not likely to work. There's probably a policy already in place, and clearly it's being ignored. There's no getting around this. You're going to have to do the hard work of changing the culture. That doesn't happen by policy change, but by changing the way people think and act. Some of that's training, but yes, yes, but knowing the right thing to do doesn't always make us do it. People need to know why the policy is there and why it's important. This is mission, vision, and strategy work at its most basic. If they don't understand why the form has to be filled out at the end of the day for reasons beyond policy, it's not likely to happen. They have to care about it. You have to change the culture about it. People have to want to comply because the peer pressure of we've always done it that way can be pretty powerful. You need to change the culture to use that peer pressure to your advantage. Incidentally, this probably goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, just in case. If you, as a leader, can't find a good reason for a particular policy, get rid of it. In other words, if there's no real, practical, meaningful reason that the documents can't be filled out at noon, then let it be as it is. There's no harm in that, and it demonstrates to people around you that policies actually get some ongoing consideration. It's okay for policies to go obsolete from time to time. Now, this next one sometimes causes people discomfort, especially for rule followers. Policies are made to be broken. We like to think of policies as carved in stone, inflexible and unyielding, but they are not. Policies are designed to address a majority of situations. But if you aren't running into an occasional outlier, eh, I'd be surprised. As I mentioned above, policies are always incomplete. With policies, you need to make it clear who can make the decision to make a break from policy. The better job you do of helping people to understand the business, the product or service, the customers, the more likely that they will be able to understand the principles behind the policy. And honestly, when someone understands the principles, it's a whole lot easier to trust them to transcend policy. That's because when they get the principles, they're not breaking policy, they're seeking to serve better serve the customer, the organization, or the greater good. And every leader knows sometimes policy gets in the way of all that. Of course, all this needs to be tempered by the next aspect of policy. Policies provide legal protection. 
That's when policies can't be broken. In my world of academic accreditation, there are certain policies that are handed to me not by Bethel University, but by the Federal Department of Education or by our regional accreditation group. I have no choice in certain areas but to uphold policy regardless of any set of extenuating circumstances. In those areas, policy and compliance are inextricably intertwined. What I would prefer to do is irrelevant, and because of the importance of legal compliance, that policy hardline can be a very good thing. I can't be pushed, I can't be wooed, and I can't be bullied into easing my stance. Now that's a bit of an extreme example, because not everybody works in a regulated field. Sometimes, though, there are laws and regulations that apply, but you can't get in trouble for bending the rules. You only get in trouble when one of the rules gets broken, so to speak. Policy can be helpful because it serves as documentation of your good faith effort to comply with the law. When someone breaks the policy and in the process breaks the law, as a leader you have some legal protection for you and your organization. Demonstrate that there's a policy and you can demonstrate that bad behavior is an anomaly. Please bear in mind that I'm not an attorney. This is an informal summary. Actual mileage may vary. That, of course, has some limits. In a legal sense, your actual practice supersedes policy. If you have a policy that is continually overruled as a matter of course, your practice says that's not a real policy. That's one of the reasons that leaders have to be very careful about setting precedents. Whenever you face a decision point where no policy is involved, don't kid yourself into thinking it's a one-off decision. It's probably not. What it probably is, is the first of many, and the decision you make the first time around will set the standard for future decisions, and in fact becomes a policy in practice. So let me say that this is where bias and injustice can show up. A perfectly good decision for one person gets rethought and handled differently for another. Years ago, I did some volunteer work for a nonprofit. Now, they didn't have a huge payroll, but the following scenario came up. I wish I was kidding, but no. So one of the board members suggested that we should pay the men on the staff more than the women because the men were trying to support their families. Ugh. Okay, so let's dissect this in a moment. If a woman was hired into a role and offered a fair wage for that role, okay, she accepts it, everyone's happy. Now, a few months down the road, a man is being considered for a similar role. He's the sole breadwinner, an odd phrase since there's neither bread nor winning involved. And anyway, in order to make the job appealing, the deciders decide to sweeten the deal and pay him more based on his need to support his family. Um, no. You've injected gender bias into the situation. You set the precedent, setting a fair wage with the woman, and then changed your practice to benefit the man. You see the problem here? Systemic bias. Now, one might argue that it was with good intentions. You might also argue that it was not good intentions. But the outcome is the same. Illegal labor practices, and I would add unethical as well. That's why practice tends to supersede policy. In reality, and legally, practice is policy. 
Well, I don't know if you've found yourself in a situation where you have to craft policy for your organization or even for your own work team. But if you do, keep in mind the things that policies can and cannot do for you. Here's the list one more time. Policies are annoying. Policies are guardrails. Policies are incomplete. Policies do not change culture. Policies are made to be broken. Policies provide legal protection. And actual practice supersedes policy. So once again, leadership is not an easy job. It's not all that glamorous, but it's still really important. Policies will help you to shape your organization and ensure that it is sustainable into the future. Policies can keep things running in the absence of leaders. In other words, a good policy will allow you to take a vacation from time to time. Most importantly, policy allows you to lead more people by defining quality and consistency. You don't have to be there looking over their shoulders to be able to lead well. I know, I bet you can hardly wait to go and write some policies, right? Well, at least now, you're better equipped for the task. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.